This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. Unfortunately, not joined this week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, who is heading to the Netherlands for a phenomenal glory card that I would highly recommend you check out. The rematch between Beheha and Vakitov is high on my priorities list of things to watch this weekend. Probably at the top, actually. That first uh, kickboxing match between the two of them was one of the greatest I've seen, and I'm hoping that we get to see uh, repeat performance in that regard for both these individuals. I thought Vakitov won the last one, but uh, the judges gave, I believe it was a split uh, decision to uh, Alec Pereira. And uh, now you've got Pereira, Vakitov, two, the now two-division champion, Michel Pereira, taking on the former light heavyweight champion in Vakitov. Looking forward to that one. So hope Joe's having fun out in the Netherlands. And we've got uh, a lot of MMA this week uh, as well. We've got the Contender Series, which uh, by the time you listen to this is probably going to have been aired and uh, is over. And we've also got a great card uh, this weekend, UFC Fight Night, Darren Till versus Derek Brunson. And unfortunately, if you're in Canada, well, I mean, not necessarily unfortunately, if you're a subscriber of UFC Fight Pass, you will get uh, Till versus Brunson. But unfortunately, it will not air on TSN. Uh, so a bit of a programming note there. And the reason for that is because uh, there, are, there are a handful of events each year that are exclusive to UFC Fight Pass. They're typically off-prime events that would have been held in the UK or Europe. Uh, and those were to air exclusively on Fight Pass. Obviously, with the UFC uh, having most of their events at the Apex, all of their Fight Night events at the Apex, rather, we're not going to see any events in Europe, likely in 2020, maybe by the end of the year, but I, I, would, I would say that's probably doubtful at this point in time. And as a result of that, they're still going to, I believe, have some off-prime events that they're going to be doing that are catered more to the European market, such as this one. You see there's a lot of European fighters that were at least scheduled to be on this event. That, you know, obviously a lot of changes, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But I want to start off with Jake Paul defeating Tyron Woodley. Now, before you fast forward, if you're not interested in this particular subject, I, I would recommend that you don't do that. And the reason why is because I'm going to just be forthright with my feelings on Paul versus... Woodley and these Jake Paul boxing matches. I'm going in. Let's do this. This is going to be interesting because you're not going to hear the same take about, oh, what's next for these guys and blah, blah, blah. Tyron Woodley, is he washed up? Is he but all that stuff. Forget it. I'm not going there with that. I'm not going to analyze this boxing match. I don't cover boxing. I cover mixed martial arts. Now, you, now a lot of websites, you wouldn't know that uh, given the, the headlines that they've got right now. I'm, I'm on MMAfighting.com, and I, I love those guys. No disrespect to them. but And I know that, obviously, impressions is what gets some of these websites going. And, I, I again, I respect that. It's not really what I have to do. And I, I'm, I have the luxury that uh, where I don't have to come up with articles around this particular subject matter. You know, TSN still does articles on it. But it falls, in my opinion, more under the boxing banner than it does MMA. But... These are the, there are six headlines, or I guess seven headlines uh, outside of a promotion for the MMA Hour on the website right now. You got Teddy Atlas breaks down Paul versus Woodley main event. Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley paid $2 million each for a boxing match. CM Punk retired from UFC competition as he returns to pro wrestling. Vitor Belfort discusses, or sorry, this is Paul versus Woodley. Oscar De La Hoya, man enough not fighting a YouTuber. Mike Perry feels he is a changed man, but the anger is still there. So there, there's an MMA story there. Uh, Matt Brown, Breakdown, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, offers to face Jake Paul next. Jake Paul announces tattoo guidelines for Tyron Woodley following boxing win. Now, this has basically infiltrated the MMA space. And again, I, have, I understand why. I'm not trying to poo-poo the idea. In fact, I have no problem with the, the matchup itself. I, you know, I'm glad Tyron Woodley's getting paid. He might get paid again. Good for him. Um, I'm glad that a guy like Anthony Taylor got paid to uh, face Tommy Fury. Happy about that. I'm happy Showtime did well. I'm happy that they, they sold a lot of pay-per-views. I'm, it's good for the business. Uh, I'm glad that Ariel Hawani got uh, an opportunity to live out his dream that, you know, he wanted to do play-by-play uh, or at least, you know, sit at the desk for an event and do interviews in-ring after the fact. Kudos to him. He did a great job. Uh, kudos to my, my friends over at Morning Combat, uh, Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell, who uh, continue to do a good job and uh, put together some really interesting outside-the-box content that I would recommend people check out. And, of course, Moro Ronaldo, an absolute legend. I always love hearing him call any event. You know, he could call figure skating. He could call darts. He could call uh, equestrian. He could call anything and make it more compelling than it already is. 
But let's talk about uh, Paul versus Woodley just as a concept. Why are you watching Paul versus Woodley? And the reason I ask that question is because we can look at it from every single angle. Why are you watching Jake Paul? Well, my, my first suspicion would be that you fall under the schadenfreude umbrella. Now, if you don't know what schadenfreude is, it's a, a word that translates to pleasure derived by someone from another, per, uh, from another person's misfortune. So, uh, in other words, think of curb your enthusiasm. You, you know, you're watching because you, you want to experience another person's pain. And I think a lot of people are watching because they want to see Jake Paul get knocked out and embarrassed because he is running his mouth, he's calling people out, he's, uh, you know, a lot of people believe he's biting off more than he can chew. And uh, he ends up, you know, beating Tyron Woodley. Now then the, there's the, the Woodley side of things. You're probably watching this if you like MMA and, you, you know, if you're a casual boxing fan and uh, you're watching this event because you want to see how Woodley does against someone like Jake Paul. Is a guy with the punching power of Woodley going to be finally be the, the answer for who defeats Jake Paul? But there's still a degree of schadenfreude there. Because now, if Jake Paul beats Woodley, what's Woodley? What are we saying about Woodley at the beginning of this week? After Jake Paul wins uh, about nine or... Oh, sorry, there were eight rounds. So six of the eight rounds, I would say. That's how I had it. I had... Might have been... I might have had him winning five of the eight rounds. Either way. But Jake Paul beats a guy who three years ago was the UFC welterweight champion of the world. And one of the top welterweights to ever do it. But what does it mean? I mean, what, ultimately, you know, people talk about this as Woodley's legacy and blah, blah, blah. Now this is on his legacy. I still think of Woodley as one of the greatest welterweights of all time in the UFC. Do you? I mean, if you're going to make a list of the top five, he's at least in the conversation. You got GSP. You got Hughes. Um, you got Kamaru Usman, the current champion, of course. And then from there, I mean, you can, you can try to come up with who you think is, is in there. But Woodley is, I'd say, if you were going to poll people... The majority of people would have Woodley in that top five all time. Whether or not he loses to Jake Paul, whether or not he's lost four in a row and, and hasn't, hadn't won a round in whatever, so many rounds. Well, it's 19 rounds in a row or something people were saying. It doesn't mean anything for, for Tyron Woodley, but there's still a degree of schadenfreude to watch a YouTuber beat Tyron Woodley in a boxing match. So I think there's people that fall into that bucket. There's the very, very small percentage of people that are watching this event because they love boxing, because they want to see Serrano uh, compete. They want to see Dubois compete. They want to see Love compete. They want to watch good boxing competition. They watch boxing every weekend. You know, they get, they get Paul and, uh, and Woodley as kind of this entertainment at the end of the card. But they want to watch some good boxing. And I, those are the people that I respect. I respect them. I, you know, they're, 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 their motives are pure. And then, they're the people that are the Jake Paul fans, people that subscribe to his channel that want to see Jake Paul succeed and want, want people want to see him show that he can beat these guys in boxing. He can beat these mixed martial artists in boxing. And he can keep calling people out and keep winning. And they're Jake Paul fans. Good for them. They're not watching any other boxing. They're watching Jake Paul. Again, I got no problem with that. That's fine. But ultimately, what are we watching here? Let's, let's, let's peel back the layers of the onion and talk about what we're actually watching. Because if you watched Chikadze versus Barboza, I can tell you what you were watching. You were watching two of the top featherweights in the world try to figure out who's better. And ultimately, the person that's better on Saturday night, it was Giga Chikadze, moves up the ladder and gets closer to title contention. That's sports. That's the true spirit of competition. We want to see who's better. We want to see who the best is. We want to see people work their way up to trying to prove that they're the best. That's, that's the purity of sports that people can sit back and watch. And then, like I said, if you're a fan of Jake Paul and you're watching Jake Paul, that's like being a fan of the New York Giants. The New York Giants are going to be terrible this season, in all likelihood. Sorry to uh, play spoiler to those that are Giants fans. Probably going to be terrible. But if you're a Giants fan, you're going to watch every week because you love the Giants. So if you love Jake Paul, you love Tyron Woodley, you want to watch this boxing match and support your guy, Good on you. I suspect that the majority of people that were backing Tyron Woodley are MMA fans that are backing their sport. Cool. But, what are we watching? Basically, what we're watching is, you know, little Cynthia Sweet 16. She comes out on a pony. She, she gets to have all of her friends celebrate her for turning 16. 
and she's able to put together this great party. And she's able to do something that makes her feel special for a day. So kudos to Cynthia, 16th birthday. You could say it's, it's Isaac's bar mitzvah. You know, cool. We're all there to celebrate Isaac. Cheer Isaac on as he reads from the Torah. Cheer Cynthia as she turns 16. And, and her friends can, you know, they can, they can listen to some fun pop music and, and have a good time. And, you know, and, and we, we, we build these great centerpieces and we, we, we really embrace them. That's what Jake Paul is, for the most part. Jake Paul is being celebrated for a day because he's got lots of money. He's able to train to do something well. And much respect to him for getting in there and boxing against a guy that is as dangerous as Tyron Woodley. So kudos to him. Listen, I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect the guy. But we're not watching a guy who's going to become a champion. We're not watching a guy trying to move up the ladder. We're watching a spectacle. And that's fine. That's cool. You can watch a spectacle. But everybody's getting so wound up in this thing. Everybody's getting so invested. But why? Like when you're watching, like I, I feel like it's a very Truman Show type event. Like I'm sitting in my office. I'm watching it on, uh, on Sunday night. And I just keep thinking, what am I watching here? Like, this is, it, it's at a, at a very base level, it's entertaining. But the amount of people that are watching this versus watching the highest of high-level boxing on a week-to-week basis, I mean, it's at least 20 times, I'd say. At least 20 times the audience. These are people paying to watch this as opposed to watching a great boxing event on Showtime. And I just, it's interesting to me it's just weird to me it's this is this whole thing is kind of a sociological experiment this whole jake paul phenomenon logan paul phenomenon these are guys that have lots of money they got lots of time because they've made money from doing their their youtube stuff they've earned their way to have this opportunity but we're just we're just part of the party like we're just a, we're coming to the party and we're checking it out and we're we're celebrating the pauls because they're they're coming out and they're calling out you know stars from other sports and they're boxing them but i'll tell you this if Jake Paul boxes Tommy Fury, I'm not watching. Like, I cover mixed martial arts. I watched on Sunday because Woodley's competing against Jake Paul. I admittedly watched Logan Paul versus Mayweather out of just sheer curiosity. But after watching that, I mean, curiosity is over for me. If he's going to start boxing against boxers, people will still watch. It'll do well. I'm just not going to watch. And it's not me being, going on my, ho- my high horse. But I feel weird watching a boxing event knowing that there's much better boxing out there. As somebody who loves sports and loves competition. And I think these guys are on a level playing field. Don't get me wrong. Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, pretty much a level playing field. Uh, Paul was superior that night. Almost got knocked down. Probably could have been a 10-8 round for Woodley. Blah, 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 blah. Again, I'm not going to analyze the fight. And even if it was a 10-8 round, you can do a little bit of math and figure out that Jake Paul still would have won on the cards. But ultimately, like, when you're seeing these very serious promos, Jake Paul, and, you know, he's showing the world of boxing what he's got. Tyron Woodley's the next challenger. Like, it's not serious. Like, it's just not that serious. It's a little bit of fun. On a Sunday night, if you're bored and you want to watch it, you know, on Sunday nights when I was a kid, I watched America's Funniest Home Videos. A little bit of schadenfreude there. It's fun. You know, you can, you can embrace it. And you can hope to see the, the, the big mouth YouTuber get knocked out by the, the former UFC champion. Or vice versa. You can watch the UFC champion look terrible against the YouTuber. And then we can talk about that. But that's ultimately at its core what we're watching here. We want to we have some water cooler conversation about, did you see the guy from YouTube who beat the UFC champion? Or did you see the UFC C champion, former UFC champion? He boxed the guy, knocked out this YouTuber. But the thing is, Jake Paul's not biting off more than he can chew. Like, we, he's con- these guys are continuing this grift for as long as possible because they know that people are going to tune in. And again, I don't blame them. They can make as much money as they want. I get it. But I'm just here to peel back the layers of the onion and try to dissect what, we're, what we are watching here. And I was on Morning Combat with... Brian Campbell, and this, the subject of Paul versus Woodley came up, and I said, like, doesn't this bother you? Like, you're, you've been watching boxing for 20 years. You know what the best boxing on the planet looks like. You know how hard these guys work. These guys go to the Olympics. They win medals. These guys are, are training since they're young children to become champions. And everybody, every 
buddy who's discussing boxing is talking about this. Like, they're talking about Paul versus Woodley. I mean, like, it must be hard for people that cover boxing to watch this. To really, like, embrace this. And I look at pro boxing odds going forward. And, yeah, September 4th, you got a Katie Taylor bout. But then September 12th, it's Tito Ortiz versus Anderson Silva. It's Oscar De La Hoya versus Vitor Belfort. It's more just weird spectacle stuff. But listen, I'm not that familiar with boxing. But I do know that on September 24th, Anthony Joshua is boxing against Alexander Usyk. And that's a great boxing match. Like, that should be a boxing match that people watch. I guarantee it'll draw a fraction of what Paul versus Woodley drew. Like, we're talking about one of the best heavyweights on the planet right now in Anthony Joshua. And you've got Usyk, who's on a roll. Like, we're talking about top, top-level boxers. Then the next day, you got Callum Smith boxing. It's a minus 3,500 favorite, but regardless, high-level boxer. And then October 10th, you got Fury versus Wilder. And I hope that more people watch that and watch Alvarez versus Plant than watch Woodley versus Paul, but I don't think they will. And I hate to say it, but I, I just don't think they will. So is that disrespectful to boxing? I don't know if it is. I don't think it is disrespectful to boxing. But if I'm covering boxing and I see this, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow because you love this sport. You want to watch this sport and embrace this sport. And when was the last time we saw it in mixed martial arts where we've seen a real spectacle fight that people cared about? It wasn't Liddell versus Ortiz 3 when Golden Boy dipped their foot in the water. Like, how often do we see a spectacle mixed martial arts event where we, we see two people, like a YouTuber and somebody, it, it just doesn't happen that often. The reason why is because it's harder to do. It's a harder sport. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It's a hard, if, if, if you've got two people on a level playing field, and, but they're not very good, it's not fun to watch. It's boring. It's, it's awful to watch. It's awful to watch. So I'm happy that mixed martial arts doesn't have these kind of things. Like every now and then, but boxing's been completely infiltrated by the Paul brothers. Like people are more excited to watch the Paul brothers box than like the best of the best of the best. And if I'm covering boxing, man, like that would bum me out. So again, what are we watching? If Paul wins, what happens? If Woodley wins, what happens? Basically, it's just we're on to the next spectacle. Like, we're on to the next... Who's Jake Paul going to box next? Is it going to be Woodley again? There's odds available to see who he's going to box next. Jake Paul is basically a sport in and of himself. Like, Jake Paul is his own business. People are all tuning in to see him. So congratulations to him, because he's turned the world of boxing upside down. <laughs> Anybody who disagrees... Listen, I mean, the boxing purists are always going to watch the best boxing. But now when people think boxing... If, if you were to ask people, what boxing match are you looking forward to? Like, you're going to hear people say, oh, I can't wait to see who Jake Paul boxes next. Like, that's what people think of boxing now. To a degree. Again, the casual fans. The most casual of casual fans. Again, I'm not trying to paint all boxing fans with the same brush. It's definitely not the case. Because you still have the boxing enthusiasts who love the great boxing matches. And I, like, I'm as fair-weather a boxing fan as you can get. Like, I will be watching Joshua versus Usyk. I will be watching... Wilder Fury uh, 3. I will be watching Alvarez Plant. Uh, that, you know, that's the boxing I, I will be watching for the remainder of the year. And if Jake Paul ends up having to box a mixed martial artist again, I'm going to have to watch that because that's, like, that's my beat is mixed martial arts. But did I enjoy watching that boxing match? Like, was I, how invested was I? Eh, somewhat. But again, it feels very Truman Show to me. It just feels very weird that we're taking this very seriously. Like, we've got... A very good broadcast, high-level production. We've got interviews in the ring afterwards. All people are talking about all last week is, is this boxing match. And then they're talking about maybe a Tommy Fury versus Paul boxing. I won't watch it. I'm telling you. I, 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 you've heard it. You've, you're going to have to hold me to this. But I, I'm not going to watch Fury versus Paul. I just don't care. So, you know... Is it a little bit of fun on a Sunday night? Sure, yeah, it's cool. Like, it's, it's fine. 
But I think that when, you know, that's basically how we have to look at this. It's just a fun little thing. It's nothing, nothing too serious. It's taken very seriously, and, but, and, and everybody seems to want to watch it. But ultimately, we're not watching anything other than just the, the Jake Paul Sweet 16 party. Like, all that's going to be next for Jake Paul is to just keep boxing people. Like, he's just going to keep boxing, like, people that aren't legitimate boxers. And we're going to watch it, and we'll see how it goes. Are you curious to see how Jake Paul would do against a legitimate boxer that's his weight class? I mean, a little bit. I'd be curious to see how his actual boxing holds up against a guy that's his size, that is like a high-level boxer. He says he wants to box Canelo eventually. Like, I would watch that. I think Canelo would destroy him. I think it would be like, it would be laughable. And that's not to take anything away from Jake Paul. He's been doing this for three years. Like, Canelo's been doing this his whole life. I'm not trying to, again, I, I'm not trying to disrespect Jake Paul here. I think it's great that he's doing this. But we just have to remember that the reason why he's doing it is because he has, uh, he has the money to do it. He has the money to, to put together a good training camp to put, put all the pieces in place for him to succeed, including a pick, handpick an opponent. Everything he's doing is being arranged by him. He's the puppet master. It's his Sweet 16 party, and we're just taking part. All right, now let's talk about mixed martial arts, shall we? That's fun. TSN MMA show. We're what? 20 minutes in and now we can start talking about mixed martial arts. Good grief. But I do hope I gave people a little bit of a unique take on that particular bout. Because now all I'm hearing about is like analysis of this fight afterwards. Like what are we analyzing here? What we're talking about drug testing? Like what are we talking about here? Like <laughs> really? Like so what happens if somebody pops? Like then what? Are they going to go down in the rankings? Like is 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 Willie going to get suspended by the or or Paul either or whoever you know pops? Are they going to be suspended by the the the, the boxing the commission? Like <laughs> I mean, like everybody's like oh is there going to be drug testing for this? We're going to get drug testing? <laughs> like why? Like who cares? I mean sure we want these guys to be safe, but like there's no rankings involved. There's no title on the line here. I don't know. I just, it's just like everybody's talking about. Oh, what was that a ten-eight round between Woodley and Paul? It's like, should it have been a ten-eight? I don't. I don't know. I don't know how the boxing ju- judging criteria works. And if it was, it doesn't change the outcome at all. How did that judge give the the bout to Woodley? Why was it a split? I don't know. We see weird split decisions in boxing all the time. Like, what are we analyzing this for? We saw it. We watched it. We enjoyed it. It's great. It doesn't really have any real meaning. Like, ultimately, like, in terms of sport and competition, aside from being a fun exhibition, even though it's not it's considered a professional bout, it's basically an exhibition because there's not really any stakes. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's go back. Let's go to UFC on uh, ESPN. Giga Chikadze defeats Edson Barboza. Third round, minute and 45 in. I was super impressed by Giga Chikadze. I mean, this guy's coming from the world of kickboxing. And he has looked unbelievable like if you're talking about fighter of the year candidates giga should be on the short list like you got dustin poirier you got giga you got cyril gone like giga's on the list because in the last i mean giga's only fought twice this year so maybe not maybe not but ultimately the guy goes on contender series he loses in the third round to austin springer Takes two more fights outside of the promotion. Gets a submission in one of them in 12 seconds. I should go back and watch that. I wonder how that came about. And then gets a, a submission to punches in his next fight. So back-to-back submit. Well, I guess one's considered a TKO. But less than a minute, he, he starts just two opponents. And then he gets signed by the UFC. And then gets off to a rocky start. Two split decisions in a row. Brandon Davis, Jamal Emmers. And then since then, he got two unanimous decisions over Irwin Rivera and Omar Morales. TKO over short-notice opponent Jamie Simmons. First round TKO for Cub Swanson in a minute and three seconds, which is uber impressive. And then he gets really his biggest test in Edson Barboza, one of the most fearsome strikers in the division. And he answers the test. So Giga Jakadze is the real deal. You know, if you had your doubts, you shouldn't after that, after he beats Edson Barboza. How many people have knocked out Edson Barboza? I know, I know Gaethje off the top of my head. Let's take a look. Jamie Varner knocked him out at UFC 146. That was a big upset at the time. Kevin Lee TKO doctor stoppage. I believe it was a cut because Lee had wrestled him and basically just destroyed him. And then you got Gaethje with the knockout in the first round. So this guy doesn't have a bad chin or anything like that. Like Barbosa doesn't have a suspect chin. 
since he moved down to 45, he had that split decision with Ige, which a lot of people disagree with. Split decision loss. Decision win over uh, Makwan Amir Khani. And then a knockout of Shane Burgos, who's a stud. So he was establishing himself in the featherweight division. And now Giga comes out and just like makes it look easy. One, I believe he won the first two rounds, if I recall. And then uh, I, th- I think I might have had a tide going into the third, actually. I can't remember. But third round gets a, gets a finish. So kudos to Giga. I mean, that's just a massive performance. And I can't wait to see who he fights next. And a lot of people want to see how he would do against a wrestler. But if you look at the UFCs, like I'm going to pull up the rankings here. But if you look at the featherweight division, it's a it's a very much a striking division. I mean, Volk, Volkanovski's a very good wrestler, I would say. Holloway will will stand on stay on the feet with him. Ortega will stay on the feet with him, and, unless he can get a takedown and get him down. Um, Giga's takedown defense has shown to be pretty good. Yair Rodriguez again would just be a stand up affair. Korean Zombie most likely most I would say mostly stand up. Calvin Cater, I think it would mostly be a stand-up affair. Arnold Allen would be interesting. Uh, Arnold Allen would would definitely mix it up. And even against Josh Emmett, who has been pretty inactive, that would be a, an interesting bout as well on the feet. So if you're looking up the ladder and you're Giga Jakadze, like there's a lot of really good matchups for him looking forward. He would be favored over Josh Emmett, in my opinion. Would probably be favored over Arnold Allen. Cater, maybe. He might be favored over Cater. Uh, because Cater's coming off that bad loss to Holloway. Uh... I'd say he'd be favored over the zombie for sure. Be favored over Yair Rodriguez, in my opinion. Ortega, that's where you start getting a little bit iffy. I think Holloway would be favored over him, and I think Volkanovski would be favored over him. But we're talking about him being favored over, you know, four or five guys ranked above him. I mean, Giga's really worked his way up. So, uh, again, kudos to him. I'm, I'm happy to see that. Ultimate Fighter wrapped up. Brian Battle becomes the Ultimate Fighter in the middleweight division, uh, withstands uh, some early turmoil in the first Comes back. Urbina looked like he started to run out of gas uh, in the second, and Brian Battle took advantage. Ricky Tercios wins a split decision, very close fight against Brady Heastand, and this was really one of the all-timers for a finale on The Ultimate Fighter. This was a great fight. I mean, people were saying it had shades of Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, and I would have to agree with that. That was just a grueling affair over three rounds. And Tercios, you know what? I actually think it's better for Brady Heastand that he lost this fight. And it's a weird thing to say, but he stands showed out. He looked great. He'll get more opportunities in the UFC. But I think a loss like that and really being put through the fire, I think that's just going to make him a better mixed martial artist, honestly. And I think Tercios was ready. Like, Tercios looks like, since he was on uh, the Dana White Contender Series, he's really upped his game to new levels, and uh, he looks like he belongs in the UFC for sure. So kudos to those guys. Uh, I enjoyed the season of the Ultimate Fighter. I enjoy almost every season of the Ultimate Fighter. I think the last season of the Ultimate Fighter I didn't enjoy was that uh, the Corey Anderson season because it was like I, every fight was not good. Like it was not <laughs> that was not an entertaining season. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. I think there was only one finish that entire season. A lot of and and we're talking about light heavyweights. So uh, big ups to those guys. Tercios, a big fan of this guy and and how he carries himself. He's just a funny, fun guy. Uh, who just seems to love the sport and loves the loves the spirit of this sport and the purity of the sport. So, shout out to him. And B- Brian Battle, I mean, last pick for his team. Looked great in that fight. Looks like a guy that really is able to soak up knowledge. I would love to see him move to a different camp. I know he's expecting a kid and probably doesn't want to uproot his life, but now's the time if you have no kids. Uproot your life, move to a bigger camp. Uh, I mean, where he's gotten them has taken him this far, and maybe he should stick with it and see how that goes for a little bit, but I would love to see what Battle could do just picking the brain like he should almost if he wants to stay at his camp he should go to other camps and 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 seek knowledge because he seems like a real sponge from watching the show he really soaks up information so uh kudos to him i think he's got a really bright future as well uh daniel rodriguez defeats kevin lee lee looked great in the first round uh and then second and third rodriguez ran away with it and i i do not know where kevin lee goes from here i don't know like dana white says it might not be in the ufc and i don't think that that's really fair to Kevin. Like, you know, Kevin's coming back off double knee surgery. I think you should give the guy another opportunity. Rodriguez makes it into the rankings. I think rightfully so. Like, if you look at Rodriguez's resume, you know, he had that decision lost to Nicholas Dalby that I think, uh, you know, a lot of people disagreed with that, but that uh, was a very a very close fight. Wins over Tim Means in his debut. I believe it was a short-notice debut against Tim Means. Gets that win. Gabriel Green, a very tough opponent. Uh, Dwight Grant, uh, who rocked him early in that round, and he bounced back from adversity. Unanimous decision against Mike Perry, uh, Preston Parsons, short notice opponent, dis- dispatches of him about six weeks ago, and then comes back, faces Kevin Lee, 
gets his biggest win to date. But uh, yeah, Kevin Lee, I mean, I'd say they should be facing an unranked opponent, but I mean, Rodriguez was an unranked opponent, so where do you go from here for Kevin Lee? If I'm him, I'm looking for the Mike Perrys of the world, guys with big names in that division to try to raise his stock a little bit. Um, not that he would necessarily beat Mike Perry. I just think that would be a good matchup. Uh, Andre Petrosky defeats Michael Gilmore. Uh, you know, Gilmore just looked uh, out of place. He won the second round, so kudos to him. He was a guy that got called onto the show midway through due to an injury. Uh, and Petrosky looks, uh, he looks like a really solid fighter. And I, I was really encouraged to see him have that gas tank. That seemed, he talked about it after the fight. Like, it seemed like he hit a wall at seven minutes into every fight. But uh, this time around, not the case. Kept, uh, kept the volume going, kept the, the pace going through, throughout the entire fight, which almost went the distance. So kudos to him on, uh, on getting over that mental block. Gerald Mearshart. What, what can you say about Gerald Mearshart? Submission win, another one. Keeps moving up the all-time list for uh, submission wins. Is the leader in the middleweight division. How can you not love this guy? Biggest underdog on the card. And uh, a little Barry Horowitz action over here. You can hear myself pat myself on the back. Myself and Dan Tom beforehand. I talked about how Muradov was a marauder on the feet. The guy's a marauder. He walks forward. He's got big, big strikes. But he's kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts guy, as I said to, to Dan. He's, you know, he hits you with good volume and then eventually wears you out. And that allows for openings for Gerald Mearshart. And that's what he did. He capitalized on an opening, got Muradov down, gets the sub. And when Gerald gets his arms around your neck, like, you may as well be a, have a python around your neck with your arms tied at your side. You're, you're donezo. This guy is just an unbelievable submission practitioner. You talk to the guys that he trains with, like, he's a dangerous man. So kudos to Gerald. First time fighting since he became a dad. Brings home a $50,000 bonus. I love GM3. He's just a good dude. So happy to see him get some success. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, speaking of which, run, run it back. Hit the rewind button. 17-second first-round KO over Alessio DiCirico. Nice to see, because this guy is so much fun to watch when he has this kind of ability to just throw big power at people in the first, and if he catches them, they're done. So we'll see if this is the... If we get this version of Abdul Razak Al-Hassan going forward, I, I am curious to see what his wins round one prop is next time around, because I think it was like plus 650 for this fight. Like that, That's really what he's done. In all of his wins are in the first round. So uh, kudos to him for getting back on track. Uh, I see he moved to Denver, New Camp. He was at Fortis before. I'm not sure who he's training under now in Denver. Uh, Wellington Terman defeats Sam Alvey. Had two points deducted from him in the final round. And Alvi was complaining after the fact. Smile on Sam is a good dude. I like him. But what are you complaining about? Like, you're complaining that you didn't win on the scorecards after your opponent gets two points. Is that really how you want to win a fight? You know, that said, when you're in a fight and you're, you're looking at it from your own vantage point, maybe you think you're winning. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was winning that fight. Maybe he'll go back and watch the tape and realize that Terman had won all three of those rounds. So uh, Wellington Terman, despite having two points deducted, wins a split decision over Sam Alvey. Uh, D- Dustin Jacoby defeats Darren Stewart. Three minutes into the first round, Stewart released from the UFC subsequently. So best of luck on his next endeavor. He wants to move back to the middleweight division, just that he had some rough cuts, and that's why he moves up to light heavyweight. But uh, Jaco- Jacoby's physicality was clearly too much for him. J.J. Aldrich gets a unanimous decision win over Vanessa Demopoulos, who just was outmatched by Aldrich. I'd like to see Van- uh, Vanessa Demopoulos against probably move down to strawweight and face someone on like a, the lower end of the division. I think that that's probably what the next step is for her. Uh, I, I still think that she has a place in the UFC, but uh, I think Aldridge was just too much. Aldridge is like a is a solid fighter. Uh, not that Demopoulos isn't, but again, short notice assignment against a, a really really tough out. Uh, Pat Sabatini defeats Jamal Emmer's uh, heel hook submission. It looked like he destroyed Emmer's leg, and apparently Emmer's went to the hospital and was fine. <laughs> like, what are the odds of that? Uh, Mana Martinez gets a split decision win over Guido Canetti. Super emotional after the fact. Had missed weight, but uh, regardless of that, dedicated it to his late coach, Salso Lees. So, uh, really happy to see that. Uh, would have liked to see Tercios and he's then get a full $50,000 bonus. Apparently, they're, they're getting a bonus, which uh, of an undisclosed amount that they, as Dana White said, will be happy with. So, uh, I'm glad they're getting some money, but uh, hard to... You know, overlook the performance of the night bonuses for guys like Jakad Zemir, Shart, Al Hassan, Pat Sabatini, and hey, I'd rather see six people get a bonus than just four. 
So, uh, you know, uh, maybe their bonus might not be as much. I think they certainly earn 50000 Like, maybe maybe you take, you know, Chikadze and Sabatini and give them bonuses below 50000 But, you know, you're neither here nor there. Dana White's decision at the end of the day. And uh, I'm not going to argue with that. UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Till coming up this weekend. Again, it's not going to be airing on TSN, unfortunately. It'll be on UFC Fight Pass in Canada. ESPN Plus, I believe, in uh, the U.S. And it's prime time in Europe. Uh, fight card, main card, I believe, starts at 4 p.m. Eastern. So, uh, eager to see this card that has a lot of good international talent on it. You got Brunson versus Till as the headliner. That's a really interesting fight. I think Brunson is a terrible matchup for Till. I, I, Till might prove me wrong. But I, I think Brunson is one of the tougher matchups. Again, just X's and O's matchups for Till at, at the top of this division. Let's see how he does. Because, because it seems like we're just waiting for that moment for Darren Till to break out and get that shot at the middleweight title against Israel Adesanya. They've been talking about it for this long. And Till has yet to have that performance that really puts him over the top. Because he's like one, two wins away from getting it be, just because of the intrigue of that matchup, the lead-up. I think Till's very marketable, especially in Europe. That would be a good fight. Those guys would have a lot of fun with it. It'd be interesting to watch. I actually think Israel is is not as is uh, it's still a very tough matchup for Till, but I just think again from a matchup standpoint, Brunson brings a lot to the table that Till is going to have a lot of trouble with, in my opinion. Uh, had had the fight happened in the UK, maybe it would have been a different story, and maybe it would have had some momentum. Although I don't think it would have been that big of a live crowd, especially with how things are going over there right now. Uh, uh, heavyweight co-main event, Tom Aspinall takes on the short notice. Sergei Spivak was supposed to face a different Sergei, Sergei Pavlovich, who unfortunately had visa issues and uh, is now being replaced by Spivak. Uh, Spivak looks like a guy who's really been on the up and up. Three wins in a row against Carlos Felipe, who has looked good in his own right since that fight. Jared Vandera, who's coming off a win right now. Uh, and uh, Alexei Olenek, the uh, aged veteran. So uh, let's see what Spivak brings to the table against Aspinall. That should be an interesting uh, test for Aspinall. Uh, Alex Morono facing David Zavada. That's an, uh, an interesting one. Both very fun fighters to watch. The motor of Alex Morono versus the ingenuity of David Zawada and the power of David Zawada. Modestus Bukowskis representing Lithuania and England against Khalil Roundtree Jr. Nice to see Khalil back in action. Had a Sluggish performance last time out. We'll see if he can bounce back against Bukowskis, who won a, a split decision. I think it was over Iwan Kutelaba last time, or was it unanimous? Yes, yeah, but oh no, sorry, it was over. It was a loss to Michael Olegzechuk. Never mind. I thought he had won that fight. That was a controversial decision against uh, Mikhail Olegzechuk. Lost the split decision there. Um, I remember. I think I had Olegzechuk as like one of my picks for <laughs> the TSN edge. It was like, ooh, oh, it went my way, but I, I don't, don't necessarily agree. Uh, Patty Pimblet against Luigi Vendramini again some controversy surrounding this fight there were rumors that uh, I mean not just rumors but Vendramini's manager came out and said that they were asked that they were going to they were going to be offered a new opponent Pimblet said it wasn't the case ended up not being the case but uh, I think for a time it did seem like that was what was going to happen maybe nobody told Patty that there were some visa issues that could have been occurring but uh Seems all has been resolved, and that fight will go forward as the opener for the main card. The debut of Paddy Pimblett, much anticipated debut of uh, Paddy Pimblett in the UFC. He'll join us on the TSN MMA Show interview edition later this week, as will Till Brunson, and I believe Aspinall, and uh, Charles Jordan, Mark Andre Barrio, as well. Pretty stacked week on the uh, interview edition, which will be coming your way on Thursday morning. Molly McCann taking on G on Kim. Gian Kim training at Syndicate MMA for this one has apparently been getting some great work in. There's a lot of really good strawweights and flyweights uh, in that camp right now. Uh, you know, the likes of uh, Emily Whitmire is out there, Roxanne Mataferi. Uh, I know Jasmine Jassidavicius from uh, the Niagara region has been training out there for her upcoming contender series fight. So Gian Kim has some good training partners there. That's a fun one. Jack Shore taking on. Ludwig Shaolinian from the uh, Contender Series. He was uh, one of the standouts on the show. Uh, really strong wrestler. But a very tough uh, assignment for him against Jack Shore in his debut. Julian Arosa taking on Charles Jordan in a catchweight 150-pound fight. Uh, short notice opponent for Jordan, who is supposed to be facing Lerone Murphy, uh, who had some 
visa issues, couldn't make the trip. So now Erosa gets the short notice assignment. Dacha Lunjambula taking on Marc-Andre Berriot. We saw Berriot get a very late finish earlier this year against Abu Azaitar. Uh, Dolce uh, Lunjambula, I think his last fight was against um, Ankalaev, if I'm not mistaken. Let's double check that. And you've got uh, Jonathan Martinez taking on Marcelo Rojo, who last fought against uh, Charles Jordan. All right, so that's the uh, that's the card this coming weekend. Uh, actually, Marcus Perez was his last uh, fight. He won a unanimous decision over Marcus Perez. I forgot that fight. Uh, let's look at the odds for this one. You got Till a minus one eighty favorite. Uh, I would lean towards Brunson in that one, but uh, I like the fight goes the distance. What would that be? Fight goes decisions is plus one forty. I would highly recommend that play. That's going to be one of my TSN edge picks. I can tell you that already. Tom Aspinall minus two ninety over Spivak. Aspinall by KO is minus one twenty five. I like that prop as well. Uh, Modestus Pukowskis minus one fifty five. Roundtree plus one thirty five. Over one and a half rounds at minus one thirty-seven, that that would be my recommended play as well. That's a low number. Uh, I mean, Roundtree can crack, but but Bukowskis is shown to have a, a pretty decent chin. Alex Morono minus one fifty against David Zavada plus one thirty. That's probably the correct line. And fight goes to decision minus one fifty. Probably also the correct line. Morono by decision plus one sixty-five. That probably is the best uh, best angle there. But Zavada is always dangerous, so that's that wouldn't be a strong recommendation by any means. Patty Pimblet minus one forty-five. Vendermini plus one twenty-five. Uh, you know, I think that's a good number for Pimblet. That's probably about where it should be. Pimblet maybe should be a little bit of a bigger favorite, but uh, I have to go back and watch some of Vendermini stuff because I can't remember that much about him. There's so many fighters in the UFC roster right now; it's hard to keep up sometimes. Gion Kim minus one fifteen. Molly McCann, minus 105. Uh, I would probably lean G on Kim here in a pick situation in a fight that's happening in Vegas. Uh, Jack Shore, minus 510 against Shaolinian. Shore by submission, plus 180. Not great value there. What's Shore by decision? Shore wins by decision is also plus 150. Not great value there either. I think one of those two angles is the one you would want if you're, if you're taking that. Uh, Charles Jordan, minus 180. Arosa, plus 155. Jordan KO plus 140, not great value there. Jordan decision is plus 275. That's probably where the value is on this one. But uh, let's see how that one plays out. I think that line is probably where it should be. Marc-Andre Berrio minus 155. Dolce Lunjambula plus 135. Fight goes to decision plus 120. That's probably the angle that I would look at for this one. Or the over two and a half rounds at even money, I, I think is an even better play. Uh, and Martinez versus Rojo. Jonathan Martinez minus 155. Rojo plus 135. I like the Martinez side in this one. Martinez inside the distance is plus 200. Martinez decision plus 175. I think both those angles are uh, are pretty good. But if you were going to take Martinez inside at plus 200, taking the under two and a half rounds at plus 110 or if it doesn't go, go at plus 100 might be a better, safer play. But maybe you're not into safer plays. Maybe you like the bigger odds. We'll see. I don't really have a dart pick just yet, but uh, I'll be looking. I'll be scouring the board. Jordan round three at plus 1,200 already looks appealing to me. So a little bit uh, of a sneak peek into my brain. So uh, that's what we have coming up this coming weekend in the UFC. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned, Contender Series, by the time you listen to this, it probably will have already occurred. So I will... uh, Probably recap that with Joe next week, and of course that glory kickboxing bout. Um, sorry, glory kickboxing event is uh, really a great event. Uh, I'm really strongly looking forward to that one. Uh, glory is just uh, putting on great events because they haven't had them in a while, so they kind of stack them up. The last event was in January, as I mentioned. Uh, you got a main event. Uh, Butter Hari, uh, sorry, Butter Hari versus uh, Rosic. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, you, I heard um, Joe tell me a little bit about him on the last show. If you want to go back and listen to that, Alex Pereira versus Vahitov. I, I highly recommend. That's like high, high, high level kickboxing. Uh, Tariq Kababes, who looked great in his last fight against Antonio uh, Plazabat. Again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these names right, but uh, also the Super Fight series. You got. The Glory Lightweight title on the line, Elvis Gashi against Tijani Bastadi. That's a fun one, too. I can't believe that's free. You can watch that on YouTube, I think. 
and the vacant middleweight championship, which I guess Pereira has vacated now. Uh, I don't know if it's an interim title or what, but uh, Donovan Wiss, Wiss maybe, against uh, Yushri Belgari, uh, I think it's how it's pronounced. See, I know all these guys. I watch them, but because I'm not uh, watching them all the time, and they have very difficult last names to pronounce, I just sound uh, very silly trying to pronounce them. So, apologies to these great competitors <laughs> for me butchering their names. I will continue to support your careers and watch your fights, though. So, let's uh, see how that goes. All right, some uh, some good fights there. Looking forward to that one. Very much looking forward to that one. There's a uh, some good fights going on there. Uh, let's see if we have uh, any interesting news to break down that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Let's scour some of these news sites and try to filter out the Jake Paul headlines for just a moment. I know that Amanda Nunes and um, Juliana Pena has been rebooked for December the 11th. And uh, rumor has it, uh, according to Aria Halwani and his uh, newsletter that just came out today, they might be looking at doing Charles Dobronx Oliveira Dochamp taking on, well, Dochamp means of champ, so that's bad Portuguese on my part. Taking on uh, Dustin Poirier on December the 11th. If that happens, that's like my most, that's the fight I'm most looking forward to in MMA right now. I can't wait to see that one. At least like a fight that is reasonably going to happen. Like, I'm, you know, I mean, obviously I'd rather see Ngannou versus Jones over that one, but man, I can't, I cannot wait to watch that fight. That is a fun one. Uh, we saw the PFL also last week uh, determine their finalists. Chris Wade, great performance over Bubba Jenkins. And uh, then you saw about between Khaibulayev, uh, Movlid Khaibulayev, I believe is his uh, full name, taking on Brandon Lockname. And this was uh, considered to be a controversial split decision. But for those familiar with the scoring criteria, this should not be considered a controversial decision. If you go back and watch that first round, and I was commenting on it on Twitter while it was happening, the better work was being done by Lochnane in terms of damage in that round, even from bottom. Towards the end of the round, I gave it to Khaibalaev. I thought he, he pulled away at the end a little bit, but that was a very, very, very close round that probably could have gone either way. So for people to be screaming robbery about that one, I urge you to read the scoring criteria of mixed martial arts because... That was a very close first round. Now, Sean Sheehan might be overcorrecting the, the steering wheel. He says he thought Lochnane won all three rounds. I have to go back and watch, but that second round seemed like a slam dunk for Khaibalaev, if I recall. So I uh, am eager to see. Uh, I'm going to go back and watch that one. I'm eager to rewatch it, but uh, I don't think that was a controversial split decision. I tried to outline why as the fight was going on. People were disagreeing with me left and right, but please, please, please read the, the scoring criteria of MMA. I judged Israel Adesonia. I'm going to keep talking about this because it's a come to come into the light moment for me. I scored the first three rounds of Israel Adesonia against Jan Vlahovic for Izzy. People went freaking crazy. So I said, listen, I got to go and learn more about the judging criteria because if, I, if people are that upset about it, I must have done something wrong. And I, I sat with the judge and watched that fight and we went round by round. And the judge actually told me that giving Izzy those first three rounds is not out of the question. It's a reasonable scorecard. But I digress. I'm not inter- I don't care about that anymore. I'm not going to try defending that. That's yesterday's news. But being able to have that luxury to watch that, watch a fight get judged with a judge, uh, and I've subsequently taken an online judging course to learn more about the criteria, has really opened my eyes to how fights are scored and how hard of, it is, uh, of a job it is to judge these fights and how looking at the fight from a different vantage point uh, as a different judge might give you a different angle. You might see a facial expression that another judge won't see. There's a lot of nuances that the judges are looking for in person. But what it comes down to ultimately is damage, damage, damage. And whoever does the most damage wins the round. Effective grappling is also damage. Effective grappling is, and that's why I thought Khaibulayev won that, just because of one slam at the end of that round. And it's not because it was a takedown, it was a slam. And a slam that does damage, like that one did, is effective grappling. So Mobley gets points on my scorecard for that, if I'm, if I'm judging it. And if I'm following the criteria. And that's why I gave him a slight edge. And I would, again, I have to go back and watch. Because as soon as I said that Lofnay was doing great work off his back, I, I got caught into the Twitter echo chamber of, oh, blah, blah, blah. no, he's losing it on his back. Forget all that. Pause the commentary. Rewatch the fight. Tell me who did more damage in the first round. Maybe it was Movlin. And I'm open to that argument for sure. 
But tell me that Lafnain didn't do a lot of damage in that round. He did. It was a close round. So just putting that out there. Uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. advances, as does Martin uh, Hamlet. That was uh, a weird fight, the Hamlet fight. Very weird fight. You saw Mutanch basically just like his leg seized up and he went down in like 15 seconds. And uh, you had Chris Camozzi say that he was favoring it all week and that he shouldn't have been on that fight. The commission shouldn't have approved him. Of course, Camozzi, I think, was on standby <laughs> for that, that spot. So maybe he's uh, overcorrecting the steering wheel a little bit. But uh, be that as it may, that's uh, what happened. I think that pretty much covers us for this week in terms of mixed martial arts. I hope you enjoyed that little uh, rant I had off the top about uh, Jake Paul and uh, Woodley. I hope it's a little bit of food for thought for you. If you agree, disagree, please, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can hit me up on social media, at Aaron Bronstetter on Twitter. And uh, a couple housecleaning notes, housekeeping notes, I guess, is probably the correct expression. I'm getting a lot more active on Instagram, so I would really appreciate it if you follow me on that, at A. Bronstetter. And I opened a TikTok account. I'm going to be doing a TikTok video maybe one, two a week with kind of uh, some interesting stories about the competitors that are, are going to be in uh, upcoming events. So uh, please do follow me. I think it's at Aaron Bronstead on TikTok as well. So follow me on there. I hope you enjoy my content. It's uh, a lot of fun. And I'm also um, now putting out a uh, newsletter on, uh, on Twitter that you can see on a weekly basis as well. Uh, on their uh, their new newsletter app that they have called Review. It's called the Bronstead Review. And basically, I just take all my content and put it all in one place. So you can just subscribe to that or you can click on the link when I tweet it out. Uh, I would appreciate that. So thank you, everybody, for tuning into this show. Uh, I really appreciate it week after week. Uh, I appreciate everybody who rates and reviews the show, especially because uh, it, it does wonders for our algorithm. And uh, I try to be as honest as I can on the show. I try to give you a different perspective with uh, with Joe each and every week. So, again, I appreciate you uh, for following me wherever you do. It's, uh, it means a lot to me. It's uh, such a fun job. I love doing this for a living. It's I Sometimes I can't believe that this is my job because it's just so awesome. And uh, it's awesome that people support me and, you know, share my work. That means the world to me. So, thank you. And uh, you'll hear from me later this week. The TSN MMA Show Interview Edition will be coming your way with many, many interviews uh, last week had a, a loaded slate. This week will as well. So thanks for uh, listening to that as well. And uh, we'll see you next week. Joe will be back from uh, the Netherlands and we'll recap everything that happens this weekend from uh, the UFC, Glory, Contender Series, all the combat sports you can handle. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.